Welcome to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to The Female Red Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today, I'm interviewing Dory McWhorter. She is the CEO of the YWCA, Metropolitan Chicago, and she became the CEO in March of 2013. She's embarked really on a journey to transform this 140-year-old social service agency to become a 21st century social enterprise. She's moving the agency into the digital age uh, by relaunching Tech Girls, which is a program that focuses on developing STEM awareness for girls age 9 to 14, and also for adult women introducing 3D, uh, developing digital diversity, which provides web and mobile application development training to adult women. She's been included in the inaugural list of the Blue Network, comprised of the top 100 innovators in Chicago by the Chicago Tribune. She is um, an absolute leader, and I am so thrilled to have her on the Female Red Zone today. So welcome, Dory. Thank you. So if you could talk a little bit about your background and what you think prepared you to step into this position at the, w, at the YWCA that you're in now. Sure. So by background, I'm a CPA. I'm actually still a CPA, so a certified public accountant. And I had been in the industry doing mostly management consulting work for um, probably about 20 years prior to joining the YWCA. And it's was a great background to have been exposed to lots of different companies, lots of different business models, lots of different processes. And so I really do feel that a lot of the um, work that I've done in the past, and when you think about typically when you bring in a management consultant, you're going through major transformation or some, something's not working right and so you're there to fix it or give insight to how to fix it. And I think that just that training, whether it was from Arthur Anderson or Booz Allen and Hamilton where I worked, really just gave me great perspective in terms of being able to really look at situations, understand what's going on, and think of new solutions for it. So I, I often call this job, and my PR people would be not happy with me, but I call it my slumdog millionaire moment because I've had just a lot of different random opportunities um, that somehow come to bear uh, during the work at the Y. Yes, and so when you got to the Y, did you know the, the transformation that you wanted to like sort of undertake at the Y or were you sort of made aware of where they were at once you got there? I was on the board for eight years prior to taking on the role and as the CEO transitioned, I had an opportunity to really understand what needed to happen. So I absolutely knew that we were in a state of some, to some degree, some distress that we needed to come out of. And so for me, what made me want to take the role is that as a more tenured board member, the um, recruiter for the, the CEO position at the time was asking me what I thought the role needed and I found myself thinking about this more than probably necessary and just really thought that this is something that I could do and wanted to do, really pulling off the experience that I've seen um, across my consulting career. One of the jobs I worked on when I was at Booz Allen in Hamilton was the modernization of the IRS. And I'm like, if we can modernize the IRS, we can do this job. So we can do anything. <laughs> pretty much. So I think that for me, that was just really planting the seeds in terms of thinking about what's possible with this organization. Yeah. So the, the YWCA, what is the core 
mission. I know that everybody knows, for the most part, and has heard of the YWCA, but what is the core mission today of your organization? The YWCA, the the broad mission is to eliminate racism and empower women. And what we had to do really upon me getting here was to really operationalize that. So for us, we focus on three empowerment priorities, and those priorities are freedom from violence, access to quality education and training, and economic sustainability. And so we do have broad goals to see women empowered, but we know that those are the three core areas that really present a lot of barriers for women truly being empowered. And the state of the uh, of women that you're serving in Chicago, um, can you give a little uh, sort of a roundabout that um, in terms of, of where where Chicago is with the women that you're serving? Sure, it's interesting. I think Chicago really is sort of a microcosm of the world. And so we like to think of Chicago as this little global economic center that essentially has become our laboratory as to what we could be doing to support women here and actually translate that to women around the world. So what we look at is that many of the national statistics that you hear about absolutely play out here in Chicago. So whether it's wage parity or wage inequality, whether it's 78 cents on a dollar, whether it's the the impact of violence against women and what that does from a cost perspective to them financially as well as the trauma that keeps them from really being gainfully employed in a in a way that allows them to fulfill their potential, those statistics absolutely play out here in Chicago. So we know one in four women are victims of domestic violence. So name a statistic, it applies here. And But what we believe is possible is that by our focus on the priorities that I mentioned, that it really gives us an opportunity to make changes here here by directly working with the women in Chicago and being able to hopefully inform other areas about the work that they could be doing as well to change the lives of women no matter where they are. Yeah, absolutely. So you've only been there for three years, uh, but what would you say right now, if you were to look back over these past three years, has been the program and the successes, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that, the success of a program that you're really most proud of so far? You know, it's so interesting. It's been it's been a whirlwind. However, it's like your children. You can't pick a favorite one or you really have one but you don't want to say out loud <laughs> not to make the other kids feel bad. But I think what one of the things that I'm most proud of that we've done here, one is to make this conversation accessible. So one one of the issues that we have, particularly whether we're talking about violence or talking about economic empowerment, is that people usually think about it being over there, that it's not necessarily in their neighborhood or something that's known to them. We've been very good. So from an overall marketing standpoint, I think that we've really raised awareness around these issues. And yes, these issues happen in Chicago. And yes, these issues happen to your neighbor. And I think that that's one thing that we've that I'm proud of, that in addition to the specific programmatic work we've done, we've really raised the visibility of the YWCA and the work that we do so that people are absolutely aware that these things are happening not overseas, but they're happening right in your backyard. And yes, we can also make a change on these issues or make an impact with these issues. And so that to me is something I'm very happy about. We started a campaign specifically around uh, equal pay called notthatcomplicated.org which I'm very pleased with because we've been able to bring the issue of um, pay inequality to the forefront and participate in, in rallies at the at City Hall in Chicago to demonstrate what an important issue this is for a city, as well as looking at studies like McKinsey just did a study that shows that if the city of Chicago were to close its pay gap, 
that we could add $58 billion to the GDP over 10 years just in the city of Chicago. And so for us, those type of things and our connection to those issues are really important. And I'm happy that we've been able to bring those issues to a forefront so that we can actually get them addressed. Well, isn't that exactly it? I mean, a, a lot of times in, in working, I, I work in industries that are mostly male, and the things that have happened have not been done, in my opinion, um, at least with the, with the men that I know, have not been done intentionally. And once they're made aware of some of these things, they go, oh my gosh, or I had Absolutely. no idea, or you know, whatever that is. P- for a long time, people weren't looking. And so now they're looking, but I love this notthatcomplicated.org. I have to check that out because it it really takes uh, more awareness to be able to fix fix this issue. I mean, I think that's the that's the first step is letting people know so that they can actually do something about it. Absolutely, and and we feel the same way that we think that you know no one's intentionally saying. Well, there may be some folks intentionally, but the majority of them probably aren't. But just have really um, perpetuated just the path that. Um, or the circumstances that women have have been in for so long. And so now it's time to say, let's just question. Let's just make sure you may not be doing it intentionally. So why don't you do a pay audit? Or why don't you just um, look to see how your leadership team, um, inclusive your leadership team is of women? So there are some things that now that you are aware that you can actually do. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and I think, you know, other really important things that you're working on, I mentioned before, uh, the STEM awareness for girls, you know, age nine to 14, and that, that those, those ages are so critically important in terms of thinking what's possible. And it's actually one of the times, at least I've seen in my life and, and women around me that are, you know, that girls that are of that age is when they start thinking, oh, that's going to be too hard or, you know, but to keep that empowerment up and to keep girls thinking about, hey, STEM is a great career to be in or male dominated industries are not something that's off the table. So how does that program work and how have you um, seen some successes there? Absolutely. One of the things that we've really focused on, it's it's interesting that many of the women CEOs, even though they represent such a small percentage of Fortune 500 companies, when they are there, the majority um, of the women there are come from STEM backgrounds. And so it's exciting to think that we can actually impact that trajectory of women now by having this focus on STEM. And the statistics and the data does show that girls around the eight-year-old, nine-year-old mark begin to lose interest because they sort of try to dumb it down to fit in or be more accepted. And so with our focus, we have, we've developed, we actually call it STEAM because we include arts, so we do science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Uh And one of the programs that we offer include understanding apps and web and mobile app development, and that's as much as technical as it is from the aesthetic side, um, very important to think about arts and the user interface on that side. So we've been very fortunate to have a talented team of educating educators and professionals that have really focused on making sure that the, the technology and the um, exposure to girls that, that are that they're receiving, whether we do a water project, for example, so we do natural sciences too, so the girls are exposed to a full range of, of STEM, STEAM offerings, not just pure technology, but we're so thrilled that they really are, these girls are going to run the world one day, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, we found that we better be nice to them now, but we really enjoyed watching them grow and develop with the range of programs we expose them to. 
So how do you activate the community of girls? Are you working through the schools or how are you finding, you know, the girls that would be interested to participate in some of these programs that you have? Sure. So there's a couple things. We have across the metropolitan Chicago area, we have about eight sites. And many of our sites are, are, are street level and visible um, as part of the community. So we actually get a lot of walk-ins from that outreach perspective. While we do work with schools, we also serve about 200,000 um, we have 200,000 constituents across the metropolitan area, and we get a lot of referrals from our current members, whether they're going through another one of our programs, they are either bringing their daughters in or they're referring their friends and other kids that they know as well. So we actually, while school is good, but schools are often taxed with a lot of the requirements as well as other folks trying to get into after school programming there. So they act as a referral source to some degree, but mostly our referrals are coming from other program participants. Got it. Okay. Now, I know in, in your career, you also sit on a lot of different boards of directors, and I know that that's something that, you know, there, the the world talks about, we need more women on our board of directors of our corporations and our nonprofits and all of these sorts of things. Um, talk about, you know, if a woman wants to get uh, and be involved on a board, uh, what are some steps to take or ways to get prepared to do that? Sure. The, we, we recognize that board governance and leadership is a great way to create um, focus and change within a corporation. And so we have, are definitely advocates of women increasing their participation on corporate boards, but recognizing that, that it's, it's a hard proposition to some degree. So we believe that it's important for women to have access to some of those networks where people are often tapped to get into boards. So whether it's their professional associations or other, for example, the National Association of Corporate Directors is a great organization where women can continue to network and meet other board members that, that they can um, potentially serve on as board members for, as well as not-for-profits and just participating um, on some of the not-for-profit boards and volunteering with these organizations usually becomes a first line of exposure for women as they are often volunteering in the community. So when the governance opportunities come up, it's really important for them to take that step. And then as they meet folks there, they can often be introduced to other folks that can get them into the right positions to serve on different boards. But I think as much from a training perspective, it's clearly what you do in your day-to-day -day work. But it's also really about expanding that network and keeping that professional circle um, well populated so that you can have access to opportunities so that people know who you are when opportunities come up because that's really ultimately how it ends up working out. Right. Yep. And I know that it's difficult because you have to be qualified just because, you know, you're a woman or a man or somebody that happens to be standing there, you're not qualified necessarily uh, to be able to sit on, on some of these boards and they're looking for certain qualifications. I know a lot of boards look for financial qualifications, whether you're an accountant or, um, you know, you've got a CFO role at a cur current company or something like that. Do you find that that's a um, one of the categories that people are, they're not looking for marketing people. I know that I'm a marketing person. They're not going, Oh, we needed somebody in marketing to come in. Oh, they're looking for finance and different kinds of business, um, skills, correct? Or. Well, they're, they're looking for a range. It really depends on the strategy of the company and sort of how, what they're using 
what they need to fulfill their specific goals or objectives with with their board. What what I do see though is what what you hear so much focus on finance and accounting skills is just because those are typically harder to come by, and so they typically focus on that just because you do have that specific financial expertise requirement at least for for public companies, but. What I think is important for women, and this is why we push so hard that we want women to enter the C-suite, take on senior leadership roles, because many board positions are often tapping into that C-suite level or that, depending on the size of the company, that senior VP level, executive VP level, and that's why it's so important for us to ensure that women are getting the opportunities they can to enter those senior management ranks, because that's where, when you look at board, um, participation, that's where folks are being sourced from. And if women aren't there, then they're not visible or not deemed as qualified to even sit on a board. So it's really about how strong you are at your day-to-day -day job, making sure that you are accessing opportunities to continue that career growth, and then positioning yourself with the right networks, with the right circle, to make sure that you can, um, that people know who you are when the time comes as board positions are being sourced. Right, so you've got to be in the right position with that right, uh, with the right background that they might be looking for. Absolutely, but you'd be surprised. I just think a lot of it is the orientation of the company. I could say from a not-for-profits perspective, we've definitely been we love marketing people because that typically hasn't been the focus of a 140-year-old social service agency, and now we are there. And so we actually, as we look at our new boards, like we definitely had to pull in some marketing and sales people. <laughs> got it. Yep, makes sense. Makes sense. Now, I know that you sit or you're a member of the Mayor's Commission of a Safer Chicago. And so I, I'm, I live in the Chicago area and I hear from people all the time, oh my gosh, Chicago is one of my favorite cities. My wife and I love Chicago or whatever it is. But what's going on with all of that crime? And so to talk about some of the, the initiatives that maybe you know of that are being done in the city of Chicago to, to reduce and make it a safer place for people. Well, first of all, I think the Mayor's Commission on a Safer Chicago was really a great um, opportunity, and it's still we still meet quarterly for the city to really get its hands on all the the, the elements and levels of how crime occurs, and particularly violent crimes. It really is focused on looking at youth and um, some of the violent crimes that occur there. But one of the committees, so there's six subcommittees of the Mayor's Commission on Safer Chicago, it's looking at what happens when kids, several committees are looking at different things, but one, for example, is looking at what happens to kids when they get in trouble at school. Are they being suspended or are they being um, routed to the criminal justice system because that absolutely has an impact on violence and crime in Chicago. Other committees, the one that I sit on is a, a health and um, health and social service committee because we're also looking at trauma of of past crimes and how that impacts the current rate of violence. So what I did give the mayor credit for is really trying to peel off the the layers that that occurs from a crime perspective and what's happening there and how do we really reduce crime but get to some of the the core issues that are that are that are there in terms of the treatment of the individuals that are in these communities that are seeing high rates of violence or high rates of crime in certain areas. So I just think it's such a complicated issue and it definitely, when you're in a large urban environment like Chicago, clearly crime is always one of the top issues there. But I think that with a lot of the changes, whether it's with the, the recent announcement of the 
um, new police superintendents, the the task force that the, the mayor put together, and now we know that there's a DOJ special investigation going on, that there's a lot of focus on crime in Chicago, and at least the tactics behind crime um, reduction in Chicago. So hopefully we'll see some great success that we can speak to in the in the years to come. But I think it just really takes an effort of not only the, the mayor's office and the police force, but also the community. And so I'm glad that the mayor had the foresight to pull this commission together to really involve community people and get them at the table. One other component of this task force um, or this commission is the is youth employment, for example. So really looking at all the multidimensional um, elements of crime. It's not just, you know, no pun intended, it's just not a silver bullet, right? It really is. It really is very complex. And it's complex social issues that are at play too. So we're happy that we're at the table as the YWCA because we do provide so many comprehensive services that ultimately can get people on a different track so that um, they're either not victims of these crimes or creating safe environments where trauma doesn't actually impact them to the degree that, um, that again, leaves them as victims or perpetrators. Right. So you're involved in so many different activities and in, you know, doing so much good in, in the area of Chicago and really all over, uh, because some of the programs I know that you're developing are, are going to be ones that, that others are going to emulate. How does somebody, uh, like say in the Chicago area or any place in the country, get more involved in the, in the YWCA? H- how do you guys raise money? Talk a little bit about how someone could become involved. Sure. So we are really working on both our, our sort of local and non-local platform um, in terms of how we're looking at digital engagement as well. So with the YWCA, you can always go into one of our eight centers across the city, but we of course push people to YWCAChicago.org because we do present a number of opportunities for people to either get involved from a volunteer perspective or participate in any of our online communities like NotThatComplicated.org. We launched an e-commerce platform, for example, called YShop, so Y, the letter Y, shop.org. And that's a way that people can use their dollars to support the work of the Y by buying from vendors that have pledged to um, share their proceeds with us. And so that's really important as people continue to purchase with purpose that gives us resources that we need to work on the issues that we face daily. So we really try to ensure that there are a number of access points. So whether they follow us on social media, all of our social media channels like YWCChicago.org, or excuse me, YWCChicago for Twitter as well as Instagram, we're often posting different campaigns or Twitter chats around the issues that we're um, that we're discussing. For example, April was Sexual Assault Awareness Month. There was lots of ways for people to engage um, digitally with the YWCA and then spread the word in their local communities as well. So I do think because of the different digital platforms, we're able to take our messages beyond Chicago proper. And um, and definitely through our e-commerce platform, we're able to really um, engage people where they wherever they are through supporting the vendors that support us. Right. Well, this is just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful the work you're doing. Uh, Thank you for being on the Female Red Zone today and sharing the things that um, you're doing and the organization is doing and the good work in the city of Chicago and beyond. Uh, Thank you, Dory, for being on the show. Well, thank you. And thank you for a wonderful channel to, to raise the voices of women and empower women. So thank you for what you're doing. 
Well, it is my pleasure. I've, I've learned more than I have given. I am so sure of that. So it's been, I, I learned something from every single interview and it's been amazing. And this one was no exception. So thank you. Um, thank you so much. And from the Female Red Zone, this is Mary Beth Kuzmeski. Thanks for listening to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.